Well, hello and God bless. My name is Dave Nelson. Welcome again to the Bible teaching ministry of A Love Outreach. Uh, we love the fact that you are here. It is our desire to see people grow in the grace and in the knowledge of the Lord, to strengthen their walk with the Lord, to increase their faith in the Lord. And uh, it is our hope that you would read the Bible yourself. And uh, because that truly is how you're going to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of the Lord. But that's what we do. We bring you Bible teachings here from the ministry of a love outreach. I'm going today, I have uh, gone ahead and I've uh, put together some notes here um, that will take me probably 45 minutes or so to go through. Uh, and it's going to be on a certain topic, and the topic today is being filled with and led by the Holy Spirit. Um, what is it that the Bible says being filled with the Holy Spirit really looks like in the life of an individual? Uh, now, there are many different um, antics, if you will, that go on under the guise of being filled with the Spirit, but what does the Bible teach specifically on it? What is written in the Word of God? Now, like I said, I'm going to go on here probably for about 45 minutes or so, and to be honest with you, and in that amount of time, there is no way that we can fully exhaust the topic of being filled with the Spirit, but I will cover as much as I can in this period of time that we have together here. So if you do have a Bible nearby and you're in a position where you can do so, please go ahead and grab it and open it up to uh, Luke chapter 1. I'm going to start there, and I'm going to be going through a bunch of scriptures here and uh, commenting as the Spirit of the Lord leads. But um, Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 15, it says, For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. So John the Baptist, which is whom this scripture here that we just read is talking about, he was a man that was considered great in the sight of the Lord. And this was because of the way in which he lived his life, right? He was devoted, he was dedicated to his purpose, to his calling by God. Um, and, it, and in addition to, to living that kind of life, we're told here that he was filled with the Spirit. Now just keep that in mind and look down at verse 41, the same chapter, Luke chapter 1 here, I want you to look down at verse 41 with me. It says, And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, that the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? So we see here that Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, spoke, right? And this event here is a fulfillment of what was stated to John, um, or to Zacharias, right, the father of John, um, by the angel of the Lord, um, back in verse 15 of chapter 1 here. John was filled with the Holy Spirit while still in the womb of Elizabeth. John was six months old in the womb at that time. Now, just a little side note here, but at six months or 24 weeks, a baby's brain cells have developed to the point where the baby now has conscious thought and even some memory ability has formed here. And I only bring that out up to say that Mary's timing here was indeed divinely inspired when she went to, in, to visit Elizabeth, because at that time of her arrival in Elizabeth's pregnancy, John was very well ready 
in the womb to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord worked upon Mary's arrival, and of course, she had the Lord within her, as Elizabeth stated, right? Emmanuel, God with us, was in the womb of Mary. And John leaped or, or leapt, right? And he jumped in the womb of Elizabeth, you know, by the working of the Holy Spirit. When the Spirit of the Lord works, something always happens. And that's a key point to keep in mind. Because like I said at the beginning here, there are many antics, many things that go on in the name of being filled with the Holy Spirit. But what is the Lord truly accomplishing is what we have to focus on, you know, to, to know you know, what is the true work of the Holy Spirit and what is not. But let's go on here. So we see Elizabeth spoke something here upon being filled with the Holy Spirit, right? And then verse 67, looking down, same chapter here, Luke chapter 1, verse 67. Now his father, right, John's father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying... Now, pause right there, because I'm not going to read on here as to what exactly Zacharias said here, but I just want to point out something to you again here, that as Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit, this caused him to do something. He spoke, again, just like we saw with Elizabeth. He prophesied, okay? Mary greeted Elizabeth. She spoke something to Elizabeth, and John leapt in the womb, okay? So the Holy Spirit's moving, causing people to speak. Something is happening, okay? Now, go ahead, and we're going to stay in Luke chapter 4 here. And I, or chap, Luke, I should say, but I want you to turn to chapter 4, Luke chapter 4. And I'm not going to take a lot of time here, um, you know, just for the sake of this recording, um, to uh, give you time to look up the scriptures. I'm going to kind of jump into them rather quickly. But again, I hope you are following along with us. Um, but Luke chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan, from the Jordan, and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Now, of course, we know that Jesus um, will need the power of the Spirit within him to withstand all the assaults of the enemy that were going to take place here in his life at this time. And I'm just going to reiter reiterate to you again, I'm going to be redundant on this, but again, Zacharias prophesied, John in the womb leapt, Elizabeth spoke, Mary spoke and greeted Elizabeth. And what I'd like for us to do as I go through this teaching is begin to put together in your mind what it should look like when you are led by the Spirit, when you are filled with the Spirit. From a biblical standpoint. And that is the key. That's the most important thing as believers in Jesus, that we do things that are biblically based, okay? Because we are founded upon and built upon the Word of God, okay? So, and everything that I'm going to show you here in this teaching is in the Scriptures. So, go ahead and, and move out of um, Luke here, and I want you to find the book of Acts chapter 2. Of course, we couldn't talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit without going to Acts chapter 2, right? So Acts chapter 2, and looking down at verse 4, it says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And what did they do? What's, what do we see here? And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So again, again, I'm being redundant. Zacharias spoke. He prophesied, right? Elizabeth spoke, filled with the Spirit. And here we see that the 120 that were in the upper room also spoke when filled with the Spirit. But the difference here is that the Spirit gave them languages, tongues, right? Um, and that allowed them to go out into the streets and to speak to the people of those other languages. There was a specific purpose on that day, for what the Holy Spirit was doing in this case. He gave them languages to go out 
and to speak to other people and to tell of the wonderful works of God, right? And there were many different languages represented in the city on this particular day of Pentecost. But the primary thing that I'm pointing out to you thus far is that everyone so far that we're reading about that has been filled with the Spirit from a scriptural standpoint all spoke words. They all did something as an evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, don't read into this that I'm saying you have to be filled with the Spirit, or excuse me, you have to speak in tongues to be filled with the Spirit. I'm not saying that, and we're not seeing that either, okay? But we are seeing people speaking, people doing something, okay? And I'm not going to get off on that whole tongues topic on this teaching right now. Again, we're going to go through the scriptures about being filled with the Holy Spirit and led by the Holy Spirit, hopefully here. But the Holy Spirit moved them, these people, to say something and to eventually do something, right? So John the Baptist in the womb, we know, let me just jump back to that real quick because we know he didn't say anything, right? But he was filled with the Spirit. He sure would go on to say a lot though, wouldn't he? Right? He would sure go on to live a life that, that made him pleasing in the sight of the Lord and the way he lived his life. And of course, we know he would go on and prepare the way of the Lord and speak great things and call people to repentance in his speaking, right? Jesus, filled with the Spirit, would combat the devil in the wilderness with what? With his spoken word. He combated the devil by speaking words, right? So let's keep reading the scriptures here. Staying in the book of Acts, let's turn to chapter 4. Okay, Luke's uh, Acts chapter 4, excuse me. And looking down in verse 8. So Acts 4, 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel. Now here again, I'm not going to read to you what Peter said for the sake of time, but rather I'm just once again pointing out to you that Peter now, filled with the Holy Spirit, spoke. Okay? So looking down at verse 31, same chapter, chapter 4 of Acts, And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. So it's becoming clear, isn't it? It's not just me being redundant here. The scriptures are teaching us that this is what happens when someone is filled with the Holy Spirit. They speak, right? So here we see they spoke, right? They spoke the word of God, okay? That's what they did. They spoke the word of God. So I believe that as I get up and teach the Bible, I do so being filled with and led by the Holy Spirit. It doesn't make me holier than any other Christian or anything like that. It's simply something that God places on my heart to do. I don't claim to be the greatest by any stretch of the imagination at what I do, but by faith I do it. By faith I step up and I just speak the Word of God and teach the Word of God. And let the Holy Spirit do whatever the Holy Spirit's going to do in the life of the person that is listening, right? So, but this is what we do. And we walk by faith and not by sight, okay? A lot of times when we're, when someone is seeking to be filled with the Holy Spirit, they want to feel something. They want some emotion to take place or some something to happen. But I have found in my life, I have to walk by faith and keep doing what I do, um, led by the Spirit, okay? So now, these here that were in that upper room, those 120, right? And, and actually, you know, here in, in Acts chapter 4, verse 31, when they're all assembled together and they're praying, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. These weren't only apostles and pastors and teachers that we're reading about here that were being filled with the Holy Spirit, right? These are these are everyday believers that can step up and be led by and filled with the Holy Spirit, okay? So moving on, let's turn ahead to Acts chapter 9 now. Acts chapter 9. 
And I want to look down, uh, and I'm going to cover verses 17 through 20. So Acts 9, 17. It's speaking of Ananias here, the, the man who came to Saul after Saul was converted. And Ananias went his way and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's our topic here, right? Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Immediately he preached to Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. So the Holy Spirit had an impact here again. Saul received his sight, right? The Spirit of the Lord now had a work to do in and through the life of Saul, right? Still known as Saul here. He, of course, will become the Apostle Paul. And Saul, being a new convert, had to be baptized first, as every believer should be. And then he spent some time with other disciples, as every believer should should do. But being filled with the Holy Spirit, he went out and preached the Christ. Okay? So once again, an action. Holy Spirit-filled believers do not sit around and do nothing as followers of Christ. Okay? Now, this doesn't mean you have to be a pastor or a Bible teacher or anything. There is so much to do. So much to do. Again, like I said, in this amount of time I'm going to go through the notes that I've prepared here, uh, there's no way I can exhaust the whole subject, okay? But being filled with the Spirit, again, is not just sitting around feeling some emotions while you're singing or something like that, right? There's some impact because the, the, the desire of the Lord was to seek and to save that which is lost, right? To reach the world, to reach people, to give them the gospel that whosoever will can come and come to faith in Jesus. And this takes believers getting involved and doing something, spirit-filled believers doing something, okay? And there's so much that you can do to support the work of the spreading of the gospel, so much that you can do, right? So let's see here. Let's keep on going here. Um, chapter 13 of Acts. Now I want you to go ahead and turn there. Acts chapter 13. And uh, I'm going to read verses 9 and 10. It says, Then Saul, who also is called Paul, so now this is where we see it from a scriptural standpoint that his name is also called Paul, right? Filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, Oh, full of all deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all, un of all righteousness, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? So here, the apostle Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, what did he do? He spoke. But it's also important to notice here that he spoke with boldness in confronting evil. I want to take a moment and point that out. Because again, this man, as we see here, that Paul was dealing with, he was perverting the straight way of the Lord. And he needed to be called out for it. Okay, When one is filled with the Holy Spirit, again, they just do not sit back and do nothing or say nothing when things that do not line up with the Word of God are taking place in the body of Christ, Spirit-filled believers are bold to speak up, okay? And again, this is something that might not come as a feeling or as an emotion, but it's something that is done by faith, and we step forward, and we, and we confront things that need to be confronted, right? The Spirit of the Lord will cause you to take a stance for righteousness. And when you know it in your heart, then you know it's the Spirit of the Lord. When you see something happening that, that is wrong, and you and I'm not talking about meddling in affairs that, you know, that have nothing to do with you. I'm talking about the body of Christ. I'm talking about when someone is perverting the straight way 
of the Lord. Okay, we should do something about that. We should stand up, right? Someone's causing division. Someone's causing dissension within the body of Christ, whatever it may be. There needs to be a boldness where someone steps up and does something about it, right? And it's difficult to stand for righteousness. When you stand for righteousness, a lot of times even other believers around you want to avoid you because they feel awkward, because they're not standing for righteousness, right? And sometimes, you know, this what you're doing in the Holy Spirit and standing against unrighteousness, it's fueled by a righteous anger and indignation or, yeah, you know, that rises up in you and you see injustice and it causes you to speak. Think of Jesus in the temple when he saw what was taking place in the temple in his father's house. And it wasn't supposed to be a den of thieves. It wasn't supposed to be a money-making place. That wasn't what the temple was supposed to be for, okay? So, but anyway, you do something about it. Now, looking down at verse 52 in the same chapter here, Acts chapter 13, verse 52 the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit here. I wanted to make sure that I make mention of every scripture that's talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit here. But what's the reason that they had joy? We see that that it says that the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Well, if you look back up, starting in verse 49, it says, And the word of the Lord was being spread throughout all the region. Now, how's the word of the Lord being spread? Through people being filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking it, talking about it, right? But the Jews stirred up the devout and prominent women, and the chief men of the city raised up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. But they shook the dust from their feet against them and came to Iconium, and the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit or excuse me, filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So again, they were going out, they were speaking the word of God, they were being persecuted for doing so, but they were joyful as a result of being filled with the Holy Spirit, right? Led by the Spirit, you walk in the will of the Lord, and it does not matter what the world around you does or says. Shake the dust from your feet and move on as long as you are committed to the will of the Lord. You're standing upon the word of God, okay? Holy Spirit-filled believers, share the gospel. That is something that whether you feel you're an evangelist, a pastor, or a teacher, or anything like that, you can still share the gospel. There are still people in your close circle, your, your sphere of influence, that you can say something to, that you can make a difference in their lives with the love of God. Because every soul is lost without Jesus. That's the bottom line. You may work with people. You may have family members. um, They may, you know, put up a front. They may act a certain way, act like they they have everything. They don't need anything. And they're, they're set in their ways and all of that. But the truth of the matter is, is they are lost without Jesus Christ, as is every soul. So we can find a way in our conversations with people to shine a light in their lives, the light of the truth of Jesus Christ, okay? This is what we are called to do and what we are to be known for, okay? Now, today, many church people are just known for, and and this is a sad statement, um, but it's true. I mean, in, in my experience, it's true. Many church people today are known more for their political preferences and being about their financial status than they are for saving souls, reaching out to lost souls. And that's, that's a sad thing. That's a sad statement. Now, please go ahead and uh, turn up in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter 5. And I want you to read with me verses 18 through 21. So Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, it says, And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Okay? Now, pause right there for a moment here, because what is it 
that one does when filled with the Spirit? Well, we've already seen it quite a bit already, haven't we, in the Scriptures. They speak. They do something as a member of the body of Christ, right? And, and these verses show us the same thing. I hear verse, uh, it goes on and says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. See that? Speaking to one another. Filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. That's using your voice as well, right? Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. Now, let me ask you something here. What are the chances when you are buzzed on wine or beer that you're in a position to speak psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs? Now, that's between you and the Lord, but I'm just going based off of what the scriptures are teaching us here and the scriptures that we just read here right? Do not be drunk with wine, okay? Whereas, wherein is dissipation, okay? But again, right, we're speaking is the result of being filled with the Holy Spirit, and we need to be of a sober mind, right? And we, we speak psalms, we speak hymns, spiritual songs, things like that, right? Making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks, and submitting to one another, right? So this shows us the aspect of being filled with the Spirit from the standpoint of coming together as the body of Christ. There is unity amongst us when we are filled with the Spirit. And this happens as a result of submission, loving one another, being joyful, having peace in our hearts, being patient, being kind, being good, being faithful. And if you didn't catch it right there, I actually just quoted to you the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Let me say it again. I'll, I'll, I'll read my notes here again, that there is unity amongst us when we are filled with the Spirit. And this happens as a result of submission, as we see in these verses. But love, loving one another, joy, that is being joyful, having peace, which is a fruit of the Spirit as well, peace in our hearts. Patience, being patient with one another, being kind, kindness, goodness, faithful, right? So being kind and good and faithful. This is the person that is led by the Spirit, right? We know from Ephesians 5, 9 that the fruit of the Spirit is, we know where to find it. It tells us specifically. It's in goodness, righteousness, and truth. Goodness, righteousness, and truth. God is good, right? God calls us to righteousness. His word is truth. We are to found our lives upon the word of God in obedience, obeying the word of God, right? Are you allowing for unrighteousness to be in your life? Or are you fellowshipping amongst unrighteousness? Well, this is, should not be the case for the truly Spirit-filled believer, right? And as we've seen from the Scriptures today, when disunity comes, that is right, when someone comes and they come along and they pervert the straight ways of the Lord, right? And remember, the Lord calls us to a narrow path. The, the, the broad way is destruction. The narrow path is the way of righteousness that leads to eternal life. And this is a person that is filled with the Spirit. They live in that way, right? So what do we do when someone perverts the straight ways of the Lord? Like, we, like I said earlier, we confront that, right? Because when we don't act, when we don't speak by the leading of the Holy Spirit, we are actually quenching the Spirit. Now, let me show you some scriptures on that, okay? Go ahead and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I want to talk to you now about quenching the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And look down with me starting in verse 19. 
and I'll read, eventually I'm going to read all the way through verse 22 here, okay? First of all, it starts out and says, do not quench the Spirit. Now, how is it that we could quench the Spirit? Well, verse 21 tells us, do not despise prophecies. Okay, so by despising prophecies, we can quench the Spirit. Not letting people prophetically speak and teach and exhort others in the Word of God or, or keeping that within you yourself. Like, I feel like if I don't teach, you know, if I don't do what I'm doing, I'm quenching the Holy Spirit within me who gives me the desire to do this, okay? And also, like, you know, tagging on to that, keeping quiet when you should not keep quiet, when you know the, the Holy Spirit is telling you something within you because there's something good within you rising up within you. There's something pure. There's something holy. There's something just. There's something that is righteousness, okay? And oftentimes, unfortunately, we see people speaking out from a self-righteous standpoint rather than the righteousness that is of the Lord, that which is found in the Word of God. You know, I'm sure that I could come up here and come up with all kinds of opinionated stuff that could come into my mind, and I could get before a microphone like this, and, and I could teach that. I could teach all of my opinions on this subject or that subject and, and what, what I might think about this or that, but I'd rather be led by the Holy Spirit. I'd rather stick to the Word of God and what is spoke there. And again, I always encourage you to not follow me or any other man, any other woman. Do not be a follower of a Bible teacher. And we see that. I see that a lot in Christianity today. They, they say this or that. Oh, this pastor said this. Or, oh, I was listening to this pastor. He said that. But what is the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart through the Word of God? Okay? There is one God, one mediator between God and man, Jesus Christ. He is the head of the church, the head of the body. He is the one that has sent the Holy Spirit to indwell you. He has taken up residence within you. If you have repented and come to faith in Jesus Christ, then he dwells within you, and you need to be led by the Holy Spirit yourself. Now, thank God for any Bible teacher that gets out there and teaches. I'm just cautioning you to not be a follower of any man, to take what I say and, and, and go examine it yourself and say, you know, what does the scripture say? Not what does this pastor or that pastor say here, okay? So, and again, so do not despise prophecies. That means that somebody's prophetically doing what? They're prophetically speaking, right? And they're speaking exhortation and edification, trying to edify and exhort the body of Christ. How do we know that? Well, it's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3, that a person that prophesies, that's what they're doing, right? So a preacher, a Bible teacher, a Sunday school teacher, all of these people are able to speak in an exhortational manner, but not only they, but you also and me also in my everyday life in this world. As you live out your daily life in this world, you too can speak exhortation and edification to others around you. Okay? Now, when I say that you can speak the things of the Lord, I'm telling you that you can speak of His love. You can speak of His goodness. You can speak of His grace that He has shown to all mankind through offering Jesus, right? And offering people the opportunity to repent and be saved and come to Jesus. That's God's grace, right? And when necessary, we are also called to rebuke, to correct, to instruct in righteousness, and that's all in accordance with the Word of God. That's what the Word of God actually does. It does those things. It rebukes. It corrects. It instructs in righteousness. The more I grow in the Lord, I've been walking with the Lord 36 years now, but I'm constantly growing, constantly growing. I've not arrived anywhere. I'm constantly growing, and the Word of God rebukes me. The Word of God corrects me. The Word of God instructs me. And we just have to be willing to grow with it, okay? All right? And of course, all of this comes about 
through some form of the moving and the leading of the Holy Spirit working in our lives, okay? So, and we also see here in 1 Thessalonians 5 that another way that we can be sure to quench the Spirit, uh, or we can be sure to not quench the Spirit, I should say, is by testing all things, holding fast to what is good. So that's what I just got done telling you, actually. Test everything and hold fast to what is good. Hold fast to what is truth, okay? Test what you're hearing, okay? Test what you're thinking. Examine yourself as to whether you're in the faith, the Scripture tells us, okay? So that's how we can quench the Holy, cannot quench the Holy Spirit, and we can also do it, as it says here, by abstaining from every form of evil. Abstaining from every form of evil. Now, again... You know, it's unfortunate thing today is that many professing believers have adopted the ways of the world into what they call their Christianity, and then they wonder why they are not filled with or led by the Holy Spirit. But listen, as I've mentioned already, being filled with the Holy Spirit requires an action on our part. Okay? We must be willing to do something. We must be willing to step up. We must be willing to speak, led by the Holy Spirit, to deal with spiritual matters, to deal with matters of the soul, even if it comes at the cost of us being unpopular in this world. Okay, We need to edify the body of Christ, but we also need to be reaching the lost. And we must take a firm stance against sin in our own lives first and foremost. That's key. We must take a firm stance against sin in our own lives. Okay, That's priority number one. We need to get the beam out of our own eyes, and then, like Jesus said, and then we'll see clearly to be able to help others to get the speck out of their eye, to help them in their weakness, right? But we first must get it out of our own eye. That's what Jesus teaches, okay? And this is what we see take place when it comes to being filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, Now, I want to take you to another passage of Scripture here. Go ahead and turn toward the back of your Bibles to the book of 1 John chapter 3. We're going to, you know, we're going to dig a little deeper here, okay? So, um, 1 John chapter 3, and uh, here, hold on, bear with me just one moment, please. I'm sorry, I got to check on a, a technical issue here, okay? I'm good, sorry. But 1 John chapter 3. Um, verse 9, whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his, capital H there, speaking of God, his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. Now, look, let's, let's talk about this. I said we're going to dig deeper here, okay? We know what it means to be born of God, right? It says right there the words, whoever has been born of God. So, to be born of God means to be born again of the Spirit. And that's what Jesus said that one must be. You must be born again of the Spirit. Then once born again of the Spirit, what happens? The Holy Spirit dwells within us, and we then are to yield to and to be led by the Holy Spirit. Okay, All the while making sure that we do not quench the Spirit the work of the Spirit in our lives. You see, without a doubt, the Holy Spirit, without the Holy Spirit, I should say, there is no power. There is no ability to be used by the Lord. There is no ability to lead others to Christ if the Holy Spirit is not working in and through you and me. Okay, The body of Christ has no witness, no effectiveness without the Holy Spirit. Okay, and we've talked about it. Keep in mind everything we've talked about so far. There's action on our part. There's something we must do. We must step up. We must speak. We must do something. But there's no power without it, without the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us. Okay, 
Now look at verse 10 here in 1 John 3. It says, In this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. Now, no Christian wants to think that they are the child of the devil. And truth be known, no born-again person is a child of the devil. No truly born-again person of the Spirit. Okay, But John here is talking about people that do not practice righteousness. There we see it again. Okay, And when one does not practice righteousness, but instead they make a practice in their lives of lawlessness, in other words, they allow sin in their lives, then this does indeed make them a child of the devil. If they practice lawlessness, if they practice sin in their lives, okay? There is no truth to someone saying that you can walk in sin, continue in willful sin, and be a child of God. It does not exist in the scriptures, right? But go ahead and turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7. Jesus speaking. So back to the first book of the New Testament is Matthew. And I'm jumping on into Matthew, chapter 7, verse 21. Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone, Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? Now, no matter how you try to explain away the meaning of this passage, passage, excuse me. I've heard many people try to explain it away, but this is clearly talking about people that think they are Christians. They think they are children of God. They, they really will believe in the time of judgment that they are saved. They, they, they live their lives on the earth having done things in the name of the Lord. they done good deeds in the name of the Lord. But again, back in 1 John 3, 3, 9, it says that whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has born, been born of God. Jesus will say to these people in that day, right? Look at this. This is important here. Verse 23, and then I will de declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who do what? practice lawlessness. So these are people that continue in sin over and over again. They're not led by the Spirit. They're not yielding to the leading of the Spirit in their lives. If they were, they would not be practicing sin, making a practice of it over and over, right? So, you know, they may look like, they may show up in church, they may sit next to you, they may come to church functions and all that, but they're making a practice of sin in their lives, right? And now look, this is where anytime you teach something like this, people get all huffy and they start to say, well, everyone sins, have you not sinned? Or, or do you think you're perfect? You know? Come on, what are you trying to say here, Pastor? What are you saying? Well, look, folks, I'm exhorting you today directly from the Scriptures. Nothing that I'm teaching you here today is not found in the Scriptures. Sure, someone can explain it away differently and give you reason to think that you can remain in sin, you can keep sinning, and you're going to be okay. But it's not there. It's not found in the Scriptures. Okay? And, and if what I'm teaching is not found in the Scriptures, then feel free to ignore it. Right? But you and me, if we are truly born-again Christians, we are to be filled with and led by the Spirit. Right? And tell me this, if you are led by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is the Holy Spirit going to lead you to sin? If you're filled with the Holy Spirit in the background... You hear my phone ringing because I forgot to put it on silent. <laughs> but anyway, look, so the Holy Spirit's not going to lead us in sin. Absolutely not. We know that. 
Okay, that's not a work of the Spirit. So the question here then is, are you filled with and are you led by the Holy Spirit today? Okay, now that my phone's done ringing, I'll ask the question again. Are you filled with and are you led by the Holy Spirit today? If you are practicing sin, constantly, willfully sinning over and over again, then you are not filled and led by the Holy Spirit. Nor would I be if I'm practicing sin over and over again. If you're practicing lawlessness, if I'm practicing lawlessness, the Bible describes me as a child of the devil. Jesus describes me as someone that's going to hear, depart from me. So how important is this topic? How important is it that we be filled with and led by the Holy Spirit? How important is it that you and I know what the Word of God truly says about this? Okay? Now, it's sad today. I, I know I keep kind of making this little side commentary, and feel free to ignore it if you want, because it truly is just my commentary here. But many people, many, let me just say this, many fornicators, even adulterers, are sitting in church week after week, and they're never being confronted about their sin. And oftentimes, the pastor, the leaders in the church, know that these people are fornicators or adulterers, or they're, they're causing some type of division within the body. They're doing things. They're practicing lawlessness, clearly not led by the Holy Spirit. And there's no one in that room, it seems, in that church building at that time, that will reach out to them and warn them and help them in their soul, and draw them back to Christ, and save them, you know, from the direction that they're going, that they're headed in, right? And not only that, many blatant sinners are serving in churches nowadays under a perverted teaching of grace, and you've heard me talk about that before, but we know what the grace of, of God teaches us, right? Titus chapter 2. We know what the grace of God teaches us. Someone under grace is a person that is living soberly and righteously in this present age. That's the person under grace, not the, not the fornicator up on the stage singing. Okay? So we can, we can really wonder why the church is so powerless in the world today having no effect on salva you know, the salvation of souls, bringing others to Christ, why people aren't truly growing in the Lord. Well, without being filled with, without being led by the Holy Spirit, there is no power, okay? And it's sad. Another commentary of mine here, too, that's coming to mind right now, is that the divorce rate in so-called Christianity is equal to or may now be even greater than that of the world right? And if you wonder why I use the term so-called Christianity, it's because born-again Christianity, biblical Christianity, is exemplified by being filled with and led, with the, led by the Spirit. The Spirit's not going to lead you into divorce, right? And let me just interject something else here, right? I know that people are married to, you know, you get in you get in situations, and you may, you may be a woman that's married to an unfaithful man. You may be a man that's married to an unfaithful woman. Or you might have a, a man or a woman in your life that was abusive, and you ended up divorced. Well, I'm not condemning you. Neither does the Lord condemn you, right? God's mercy is new every morning, and if you are open to do so, you can begin again wherever you are in your life. I'm just pointing these facts out to you to say that we are missing something in the church today because we're, people are not being filled with and led by the Holy Spirit. They're being taught that they can continue in sin that they can practice unrighteousness and lawlessness, that they can mistreat their wife, that they can mistreat their husband and things like that. And, and you know, look at our society today. It goes and it defines marriage in a whole non-biblical way, right? And, you know, what's the church doing about it? Well, we need to be, we need to step up. We need to do something about it. But we need to do it within our own body. We need to be teaching our children righteousness, holiness, things like virtue, Okay, 
teaching them what is good, what is holy, what is just, what is pure, teaching them how to live in abstinence and, and to wait till they're married and things like that, right? There's all kind of things that we, by the Holy Spirit, need to step up and do. Again, when I talk about, like, you know, it's not just pastors and Bible teachers and Sunday school teachers and, that have a job to do in the, in the body of Christ. No, it starts within our own homes. We need to be training up our children in the way that they should go so that when they're older, they will not depart from it. We need to be disciplining them in accordance with the Word of God. And, and, and pointing their, their feet toward the Lord, you know, directing them to fix their eyes on the Lord, okay? And if we do not have the evidence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we, are not, we don't belong to Christ anyway. Why do I say that? Well, the Apostle Paul states very clearly in Romans chapter 8 and verse 9, and he says, But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed, he says, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, but he says this, he says, now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And, and what does Galatians 5.16 tell us? It tells us to walk in the Spirit, and then what? You shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So we need to have the Spirit of Christ, then we belong to Christ, and then we walk in the Spirit, we yield to the Spirit, we're led by the Spirit, and what happens as a result of that? We walk in righteousness. We do not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So this is how we really know if someone is filled with the Spirit or not. It's very, very simple, very, very plain in the Scriptures. The one that is walking in the Spirit is not practicing lawlessness, not practicing sin, making a habit of it in their lives, right? They're practicing righteousness instead, right? Filled with the Spirit, you behave a certain way because the Spirit of the Lord is in you and leading you. It is sad that the body of Christ, the so-called body of Christ, is so powerless and ineffective today, okay? There's no power. There's no actions that prove the Spirit of the Lord is leading people, okay? It seems that a large part today of that which is called the church is a group of people that live like the world around them, seek the same things as the world around them, divorce like the world around them, and are okay with sin in their lives like the world around them, and really have no testimony of Christ, no impact on the world around them. Can we really wonder why? So look, I've given you a lot to think about today. And the majority of what I've told you here is found in the scriptures and based on the scriptures. Like I said, I threw in a couple little commentaries of my own there. But please, pay attention to the Word of God. Pay attention to what is written. Study the Bible for yourself. And I'll, I'll leave you and me both with this question. Do you find yourself today filled with and led by the Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit. It's always good to evaluate where we are in the faith, our spiritual condition. So God bless you. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching, whatever the case may be. Uh, wow, I'm looking at my time now. I said I was going to go 45 minutes or so. I'm closer to 55 minutes, but uh, God is good, the Word of God is good, and we can never spend too much time talking about or in the Word of God. So God bless you, and we'll see you next time.